Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, I'm actually going to try, I was going to learn with somebody now, but that didn't work out. So let me uh, try to do Naftura now. This week will make a clean sweep early in the week, give everybody plenty of time. To listen if they want to. Tonight's, uh, today's, uh, Haftorah podcast, I guess, is being sponsored by two individuals who wish to be known as Muncie and Orlando. So you have to figure out which one is Batman and which one is Robin. Uh, but we thank Muncie and Orlando. And with that, we proceed. Just as a shout out thing, my son's coming back from Israel. Um, like 5 in the morning, something like that on JFK on Monday morning. If there's anybody in the Baltimore area I'm trying to figure out rides over here, do contact me. See if we can make something happen over there. You know, it's uh, you know, with kids getting out in the corona now. It's a Michigas. But let's see if anybody's listening. Today is Parsha's uh, par, of course, Pardua, which we do the um, Parsha because way back in the time of the temple, you can't do the Karma Pesach unless you get first shriven departed which means that people had to make it their business to get to Jerusalem at least a week before Pesach if you want to be a player. Correct? If you get there less than that, you're not going to be doing Karm Pesach because <coughs> you're not uh, Tohar from the Tumas Ames. Unless you have Tumor to Pitsibur. But I mean, typically, you know, you had to make your plans. If you live in uh, Tel Aviv or you live in Haifa or better yet, in Sfat, you better be on the road by now in those days. There weren't any cars, any trains. Because you got to get to Yerushalayim, like I say, at least a week prior to Pesach. It's just interesting. So we have the Haftar from the book of Ezekiel, Yechezkel. It's one of those Yechezkel prophecies. They're very famous, but nobody knows them. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Uh, obviously, well, let me put it this way. Yechezkel is one of the three big prophets, and he lives in the time of the Chorban, uh, specifically... And I know I mentioned before, but I know you forget. Yechezkel was from round one. The Babylonians exiled the king of Yehuda because the king of the north was taken away much earlier uh, in two rounds. Nebuchadnezzar round what? And Nebuchadnezzar round two. The first is called the Gullus of Yehuda, or like they say in the Megillah, Yehuda, Mordechai was from that first Gullus, and so is Yechezkel. And ten years later, uh, the rest of the thing, Tishabot, the rest of the people were killed or carried off in the captivity. That's very briefly what's happening. So Yechezkel is a member of the elite. He's a coin. He's around one. He's in bubble. And he's prophesying. Now, therefore, he lives almost during the Chorban. The difference between him and Mio is Yechezkel is not present at the Chorban. He's in bubble. By contrast, the prophet Jeremiah is in Jerusalem at the time of the destruction, literally. And so he has his, his prophecies have their character. Nevertheless, they're both talking about the same thing. And one of the great themes in the book of Yechezkel is the intense frustration, very interestingly, of the Gaulists. They're supposed to be the Jews were in Israel. They screwed up. God got angry, kicked them out of the land. As it says in the Chumash, you know, there are all these warnings. 
if you don't get your act straight, the land will spit you out. But then the idea is supposed to be, like in Parshish Vayelach, the Yitzhah Vayelach, where it says, oh, you'll go into Golis, you'll hit rock bottom, and then you'll do Tshuva. V'shavta Hashem Lekecho, you know, V'shivosah and all that. But it didn't turn out like that. The Jews went up from the bubble, and they stayed not from, which drove God crazy, he says, and uh, frustrates the whole plan. And how can God bring them back to Israel when they don't deserve it? They're not doing Teshuvah. On the other hand, God cannot stand the Goyim boasting. Get it? It drives him crazy. These stinking Goyim, they're boasting, we won, ha, ha, ha. Now, our Haftorah is this, you know, a fragment from a larger prophecy. That's often the way it is in Haftorahs. In order to get this right, if you want my advice how to do this properly, you have to get a book of Yechazka and read from the beginning of chapter Lamba of, of 36. And basically there, you know, God is telling you, probably Yechazka, I'll, I'll tell you for you in English. Come, Hashem, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say these ancient heights have become our possession. The Goyim are boasting over the fact that they've conquered Israel and now they own all the, the mountains of Israel. Therefore, God says, prophesy according to them. In other words, Hashem can't stand, as I said before, they're boasting, you understand? Because you didn't deserve to get this. You were just my instrument to punish the Jews, and you don't act that way. So, Hinovi alerts, he's Omar Talem, Omar Yan, Omar Ha'oyev Aleichem, He'och, since the guy were saying, Hooray, we won, Ubemos Olam, the Moshe Arsalom, and all the high places now are our inheritance, like the Arabs say today. There are more Russia, many Palestinian rights. Lachin hinavevi amarta. They were telling that I'm a bust you. Yan shamus v'shafes chem insavi liosam marshal sheisrael. Since you talk this way, so I just want you to know you're going to be wiped out. Okay, you the invaders. And he goes on to say, I spoke in my blazing anger, and so on and so forth. And then, so basically, I wipe out these guys. But then. I turn to you the same mountains of Israel, Batem Hari Yisrael, who the Goyim said are ours, and I tell you, no, the Jewish people will return, and there'll be a utopia. Now the question is why? If you're not repenting, there will be a utopia, right? And it says, Batem Hari Yisrael, very famous puzzling. You give off your fruit of your trees. In other words, when the Goyim were there, the land will be desolate, and then all of a sudden the gun will be kicked out or something like that. Not clear. And then suddenly the land will sprout forth with a lot of abundance, just in time to greet the returning Jews. It's a utopian prophecy, okay? And all the destroyed cities will be rebuilt. Uh, all destroyed places will be uh, rebuilt. Everything will be great. Okay, everything will be great. And then he says over here, but on the other hand, just before half Tov, Pasuk 14, the guy said that Israel is the land which eats people. That Pasuk shot is like this. It's a bad climate. As Rashi says, that's a bad history. The Canaanites lived there and were wiped out. The Jews lived there and wiped out. It's a bad luck house. It's like a house with a spook on it. Whoever goes there is killed. So I just want you to know, the Pusik says, um, 
Yan Omrim Lachem Ochel since they say Israel is a land of which each people, when Meshakel's Gaid Meisa and destroys nations, Lachem Adam, where is it over here? I can promise you in the future this will not happen. The Jews who return will not be eaten up by the land. And you won't hear any of this Gaisha uh, mockery. Uh, there's a fact, to my mind, there's a fascinating uh, Abarbanom here. Because the Abarbanom, when it comes to the prophets, especially, I mean, Yeshai Yom and Daniel, is radically and wonderfully subjective, not objective. The Abarbanel lived in the time of 1492, when the Jews of Spain were kicked out. There was a, such a shock that people like the Abarbanel were so attached to Spain and Portugal, couldn't believe it happened. And they can only interpret it messianically, where Mamash by Ekpes the Mashiach. These are Mamash Chevli Mashiach. The sufferings of the from Jews left Spain and lost everything, all their property, and were tortured along the way and died. The sufferings in the Inquisition and things like that can only be Chevli Mashiach. And the Abraham was himself was sure that the Mashiach was going to come, if I remember correctly, the year 1507, 1508, something like that. And he was wrong, of course, but that's what they convinced. So when he writes his famous commentaries, including our Pasha today, he sees it as, as applying to the Jews of Spain and of Europe in his time. And when it says, you, the land, will sprout forth, or this, that, and the other, he says, it's the Christians, or Edom, as he calls it. That's remarkable. What does it mean when it says, now, the language was, I know it's a little bit off the Pasha, but it immediately precedes the Pasha, so don't worry about it. We'll get there. Yan Omrim Lachem Ocheles Adamat. Since they say you eat people, the, the Mepharshim understand that it's referring to Eretz Yisrael. Wrong, says the Abba It's referring to the Jews. It's the blood libel, the Aliyah Stam. Isn't that amazing? That the guy accused the Jews of killing Christians or whatever and squeezing out the blood from the corpses and using the blood to make matzahs. And many Jews died over this. Don't tell me it's crazy. Of course it's crazy, but people believed it. Listen to this. Yanam Dista Barbano. Yanam Lachem Chelsom Mata, Lirmos Al Haro, Hagadola, Asher Mosan, Ben Bene Edom Bogose. This is a terrible fate that we have found in Europe, in the Christian Europe, that we Jews. Shemotsim Diva Al Bene Yisrael, that they falsely accused the Jews. Shahargim Sagoim Beseser, your Ochel Sonamat. They killed Goyim surreptitiously. To eat their blood for Passover purposes. And this damn stinking lie has caused many holocausts. Which they've done in Europe and different places have done terrible things to us. For a lie, a damn stinking lie, the income Hashem be given the comma, not the the comma. Therefore, in this prophecy, when the Mashiach comes, which is supposed to be in 1507, you won't hear the blood libel anymore. Isn't that amazing? And if you remember, a couple years ago, the Prime Minister of Syria or something like that also issued, once again, he wrote a book called, uh, I forget, Damascus something or other, and they're repeating you know, the, the, the blood libel. Now, that's a little bit of unusual. That's a wonderful example about their Barbados did not hesitate to do what I just said 
if this would apply in our times, let's say I was there, Barbara Dome, and I would say, this applies to Biden and Trump, you know, something like that. You get it? Make it a very, very contemporary relevance. Uh, but anyway, pretty soon we get to our Haftar when we get to Pusik 16. And he says, the human mountains of Israel will sprout branches because the people of Israel will come back home soon. And uh, all the guys will say, oh, the Jews are now back in their land. But then comes the interesting part. You'd think, why are the Jews being allowed back in the, in the country? Did they repent in Bovel? No, they didn't. Did they repent when they're in Golis? They didn't. They're supposed to, but they didn't. The idea is supposed to be a guy was living in a palace, everything was great. Then he misbehaved. He's thrown out as a hobo on the street, sleeps in the gutter, you know, eats leftovers. They think, oh yeah, I can't wait. I made such a mistake by sitting in the, in the palace. If I if I uh, promise never to do it again, they'll let me back in the palace. I'll give up this life. But instead, this is me talking. The hobo goes and says, I'll make good quarters out here on the street and I'll live just fine. It's not exactly the palace. It'll be just guns fine. And then the father who kicked him out of the palace is all frustrated. So God is saying, you're supposed to repent and change and you're not changing. And therefore, Hashem said like this, so you leave me no choice. I have to give you a geula, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not. I have to do it partly because and partly because of the grace that accompanies Kal Yisrael. The grace, which is as a people, they cannot be destroyed even if we're totally sinful. And if necessary, he says in this parsha, God will make you do Teshuvah even though that's not really fair. It's not, it's not free will. It's not free will. I'll cheat. And listen to what it says. Here's our Torah. Ben Adam, base Israel Yoshim al Mosam, when the Jews were in their country before the Korin, by Tamu, some but dark only some, they screwed up. They were Matamiat. Ketumas Anita Hoysa Dark on the Fine. It's like Anita. Okay? Now, the rabbinic literature, especially in the Talmudic times, was very uh, uncomfortable with these prophecies and always tried to put a silver lining in the cloud. So you'll see, there are many Midrashim Segas, it's only Tumas Anita, it's not like Tumas Ames. Tumas Anita is temporary, Tumas Ames is permanent, you know. But the Pashim Shad is rhetorical. And God is saying, you screwed up. You you, you, you were Matame, yourselves in Eretz Yisrael. And as a result, and as a result, I poured out my anger because you shed blood. There's the blood of the Nita here, meaning the blood of murder, because they committed a lot of murders. And with idols. And I kicked them out of the land. Then he went exile. And there they should have repented. Right? By not repenting. This is God's people, and they got kicked out of land. They're not repenting. It also, as a double entendre, and this is a major theme, is the idea of Loma Yom Ragayim. Ma Yom Ragayim. It's by Hashem Kochi. It's a Chil Hashem, because people say these are God's people. He obviously couldn't protect them. Makes me, God, look weak. And even though the Jews don't deserve to be re- re- redeemed, but I care about my name. <laughs> Which the Jewish people are being mechalel in the game. Here we're not talking about the fact that mechalel in the sense of not repenting, although that is also a chilsha. But the very mitzvahs that the Jewish people are in exile. 
when they're promised such a glorious feature in the Bible, is itself a chil Hashem, because it makes God look weak like he can't handle them. Lochem, therefore, and Hashem said like this, for my sake and not for yours, because you stink. It was just up to you, and if I waited until your free will got the better of you, and 10 million years went by, and you finally, Mamish repented, if any of you were left, it takes too long. Therefore, I'm not going to bring you back to Israel for your sake, because you don't deserve it. But to chil Hashem, the chilul Hashem, the profanation of God's name, by goof for the fact that Jews are in Gauls. It will not be enough that the guy will say, well, the Jews deserved it. But it will also imply that I couldn't help it. And I God was too too weak, you know, to help them do anything. Too weak. And so, uh, for that reason, so by the way, this is a very, uh, what's the right word? A very ambiguous kind of uh, prophecy. It doesn't make the Jews look good at all. But on the other hand, it's a good prophecy because it means even if you and I don't repent, and it doesn't look like we will, uh, the ghoul will happen anyway. So it's a grace. And he says, mm-hmm. I will make a kiddush Hashem by bringing you back. Okay? I'll take you from all the nations and bring you back to Eretz Yisrael. Now watch this. I, you're unrepentant. You're not from. Okay, God said, dog of it. I'll make you from. <laughs> I can play around with free will. I run the show. And so I'll pour water on you. This is the reason we read this on Paraduma. By Paraduma, you have a ritual act. Listen closely. If I'm a sinner, um, it's got nothing to do with Paraduma. Paraduma is a ritual act. If I touched a corpse or I was in Tumas, a, a mace, Tumas, oh well, whatever it is, it's a ritual procedure. If I go to base and and I undergo the Paraduma ceremony, I'm pure. I, let's say I'm a Chal Shabbos. Let's say Yitrev. Okay, so I'm a Chal Shabbos Yitrev, but I'm not Tommy Mace anymore, <laughs> right? It's a it's a ritual act that acts on its own, independent of my free will, of my of my religiosity. It's very interesting. The, the Paraduma becomes the model, in the words of Prophet Ezekiel, for the purification process even absent repentance. It's wonderful. And I will be matar you 100%. Ah, what about the fact that you're not repenting? So God said, here's how we'll make it happen. I'll cause a transformation. Now, first of all, Hashem could do whatever he wants. So he could just make everybody go, boom, shazam. And all of a sudden, everybody feels like doing good. Or you can do other things. God runs history. And he can make historical events happen in such a way, like a Purim or something like that. Who knows what he's got up his sleeve? And the result is that the Jews, even the non from become so amazed that they'll do tshuva. In other words, it's not your typical repentance, like you and I have to do. We live in a regular world. We have Yetzirah, we have Yetzirah. We have all these different, uh, you know, things around us. You have to fight against the Yetzirah. You know, like a Musr Shemuz from Yisrael Salantar. Nevardic. You have to fight. 
Here, God say, I will nudge things along. I'll pour water on you. I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a lay basar. I will say, in other words, instead of you circumcising the foreskin of your heart, I'll do it. <laughs> God will do a bris on us. Not bad. Because it means I didn't do I didn't do the work, the hard work of repentance. These are all the shonas that Hashem will just inspire us. Because it's pretty sad because it doesn't come from us. But you know what they say, I'll take it. <laughs> you got cash, I'll take it. Right? And you live in the land, and then you'll have a prosperity, cross the old dog and basis so there'll be no more famines, basis pre arts, and so on and so forth. Right? So you won't be have the, the shame of the guy that you were poor and impoverished before. And look what he says. And I, God, will make it that you will be inspired with a new attitude, spirit, and you will look on your former misdeeds with regret. Now, you won't do it on your own, but I shall make it out that you leave in Chavrata. This is a pretty good gift. You have a, what's the expression? Chavrata lover, Kabbalah seed. And you don't even have to do the work. You don't have to do the work. It's divinely uh, 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 granted. And I will bring you to a point where you will be ashamed of what you did before. It'll be like a, a thorn in your eyes. I mean, you, you won't be able to believe how bad, you know, you'll loathe yourselves. Now, this sounds like a Maimonidean type of shot, meaning you'll reach such a level of, of uh, enlightenment that you'll see your sins for what they really were. Boy, this sounds like a Moser Shemus. <laughs> this would be like, you know, Calum, the Vardic, or something like that. But that's what he says. But just to hammer the point home, the prophet says, Hashem says, Lo Hashem Hashem. But I want you to know, it's not because you deserve it. <laughs> right? This will happen for my reasons, not because you deserve it. Bo You should be ashamed of yourself. But you're not. Until I bring this along. If you want to be right, really, both should be calm and dark and make you. You ought to be doggone ashamed of it the way you've acted. But it won't be. It'll happen anyway. And that's why he says, When the good times happens, then there'll be a, a Disneyland, you know. Uh, all the destroyed cities will be uh, rebuilt, and so on and so forth. And the Russian Bessarum. The rest is anticlimactic. The echo point is what I just read you. And that is, you have an extraordinary prophecy over here. Not all enforcement say it this way, but I'm telling you the way I read it. It was my enforcement. Um, and they think me is pretty clear. This is a Nevuah that says, If the Jews do Teshuvah, that, that is one way that uh, a gula can come to learn it. But what if they don't? Let's look at the world in the year 2021. It don't look great. <laughs> right? It don't look great. Do you want, you, you daven every day Mashiach to come. Does it look like everybody's having a, a, a grand repentance? So then we're doomed. No. It can happen in some way or another. It's not 100% clear. What we just read in today's Haftarah. God will say, well, I will intervene. For my reasons, not your own. I'm saving you because of my name, not because you deserve it. You yourselves, both should be calmly, you have plenty to be ashamed of. 
But in spite of that, because I have a deal with Avraham Yitzhak Yaakov, and because you're a chosen people, mm-hmm. because you have this divine grace, because there's a Messiah called Klal Yisrael, so you'll be restored one day to Eretz Yisrael. Now, I can only assume, I wasn't there, that he was speaking to this generation to buck them up. You understand? That was a hard time, going through the seven years of Babylonian exile. If you told them you're going to be in exile until you finally uh, repent, they would have said the same thing like I just said. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know that famous joke? Uh, how does it go? The guy has a bad heart, and so the doctor says, I want to talk to the wife alone. And when he talks to him, he says, your husband's very sick. He's going to kick the bucket any minute, but if you wait on him hand and foot and treat him like a baby and give no hardship for him and just be like his slave, he can live for another 20 years. And the husband comes home. Uh, the wife comes home and the husband says, what did the doctor say? He, say, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> so same thing over here. If we leave it up, the Keskel saying to this generation, to everybody repenting, we're going to be here a long time. But I'm telling you, it's going to happen sooner than you think. If, 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 there's a reference to Baishenin, then it happened fairly quickly at the end of 70 years. Um, and it happened along the lines we just described. If it's talking about the ultimate redemption, Messianic times, then it speaks to us near 2021. Certainly, as I told you before, the Abarbanel saw it that way. And many have in other times. And so, I leave you with that thought, which is an amazing thought. The Paradum has many symbolisms, right? The main one being purification. But here, as I understand, the purification is associated with no repentance. If I went and wasn't particularly repentant, then there are a lot of carbonus I cannot bring. Gachatas, for example, in Asha. But if I want to get rid of the Tumas Amaze, I just do it. So I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to, I'm going to have a grand paraduma and sprinkle the Jewish people and, it'll, and, you'll, be, and you'll be freed from this um, from this Tumah. Uh, the, the hope is that they will never revert back to, to, to form. Anyway, this is rather striking stuff and um, it's very uh, worthy of consideration, Parshish Para. Hope this gives you something to play with this week uh, when you're in Shul. And with that, I bid you a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.